You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 14 of the Versus Node podcast. That was the new Versus Node theme song, obviously a remix of Koji Kondo's dungeon theme for The Legend of Zelda. Um, we hope that Nintendo and all entities involved are cool with us using it, because we don't want to get sued or anything. If 3D.game heroes exist, we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, if we ever get a cease and desist letter that says to stop, we will gladly do that. But until then, please don't bully us and let us use your music, because it's really nice. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'd actually be pretty happy about if Nintendo noticed. Yeah. <laughs> music, that'd be sweet. That would, I guess. We're on their radar. But then we'd have to change our music. Oh, yeah, then there's that. So, um, I'm Eddie Zotto, as always executive editor and uh, your host of the Versus Node podcast, and today I'm joined by Dan Crabtree. How are you doing, uh, Dan? Doing well. Yep, you have a little cold, right? I do, I do. I have a cold and I'm in the middle of final, so the best of life right now. It really. is a good, good life for Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm playing playing uh, Borderlands these days, so it's all good. Awesome. And I'm also joined by Matt Arazzo. How you doing, hello, Matt? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. Coming I'm at us. Into Monster Hunter. Oh, nice. Monster Hunter. How is that? Um, Enjoyable, but like like you tweeted, the combat is pretty crap. I think you said <laughs> it's balls. That is my assessment. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty much, that's how I feel about it. It's very, like... It reminds me of Demon Souls, actually, because remember how in Demon Souls, you, when you attacked, you were committed to that direction? Well, it's sort of the same thing with, with Monster Hunter, except you're, like, knee-deep in mud. Yeah, so, you're, like, you're like two yards in front of where you were previously standing. Ex- yeah, exactly. So, But it's still a fun game. I'm still really enjoying it. It reminds me of a PSO, uh, Fantasy Star Online. Uh, yeah. So what's your favorite monster, then? Um, it would probably have to be I don't I don't know its real name, but I call it the uh, hor- the uh, horned bird. It's this bird that uh it it emits a monstrous cry of whatever monsters in the area to come assist it. So it has like eight or nine different monster cries that will just like belt out for people to help it. And um, quick story, I was fighting it and it made this noise I never heard before, and I'm pretty like. I know most of the monster calls. I'm like, man, what is that? So I'm fighting it, I'm fighting it, and, <laughs> and nothing, and nothing's coming. All of a sudden, I see a giant shadow cast over the battlefield, and this giant dragon just demolishes everything. And I was like, well, I've never seen that before. I mean, you know, it's just it was it was a great moment, but at the same time, it, it ruined like three hours of preparation I had for that battle. <laughs> I love the idea that you uh, you've collected in your knowledge all of the calls of the monsters and the birds. <laughs> you like, have, yeah, the yeah. Watching. For monster birds. Exactly. So if I ever hear that call out in the wild, I'll either know A, I'm crazy, or B, we're finally being invaded. Word. So. We have a budding ornithologist here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and Dan, you said you were playing Borderlands? Yep. I'm on the island of Dr. Zed. Ned, they're pretty much the same character, so it doesn't matter. Um, it, it, it kind of is like Left for Dead, believe it or not. At least mm-hmm. so far. I mean, it, obviously, it's still Borderlands. You'd, everything functions in the same way. Mechanics are the same, but 
Um, there's just so many zombies. There's there's a ton of them. They come out of nowhere, <laughs> and they and they have like sort of like the spitter zombie kind of like uh, Left 4 Dead. Um, I forget what they call it, but they have one that vomits at you and another one that crawls at you. So it it felt very reminiscent, very familiar, but definitely fun. Cool, cool. Yeah. I'm uh I'm playing near Square Enix's new uh, RPG, and I've been recently reading a little bit on string theory and M theory, and it got me thinking about the dimensions of video games and as it relates to RPGs. Um, God, you think about things too much. <laughs> but uh, near itself is it seems pretty old school, um, you know, just basic standard. RPG style, but the content, um, I've played for like maybe 20 minutes. Um, the content is interesting because of the way that it seems to interweave occult and like technologically advanced sci-fi looking things. I have no idea really what it's about at all because I, I didn't hear much about this game. Did you guys hear much about Nier at all? No, I know there's two different versions. That's about as far as my knowledge goes in that game. Like the Xbox and the PS3 are two two different like stories. Oh, is that right? But they're not like that different. Like I guess like the only difference is in the Xbox version to make it um, appeal to Western audiences. It's uh, the near is a father, and then in the ja- in the PS3 version, which is supposed to be more like the Japanese game, it's he's a it's his sister, like whoever he's trying to rescue. So it's weird, and also the art style. Like Nier in the Japanese version is very feminine, and in our version, he's more buff and Gears of War like. I like it. It's interesting how the PS3 version is considered the Eastern yeah. version, and, yeah. and the uh, Xbox is the Western version. But that's largely true. I mean, I'd say that's true in general. I think what that tells me, though, is that the Japanese hate father-daughter relationships. <laughs> Either, either that or they love sibling relationships. I'll go with the the uh, latter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, I fell asleep while I was playing this game. I'm not saying that it's a bad <laughs> game, but I was just really tired, and I ended up dreaming about what this game might be, and that's the most the most uh, hype I've seen for the game was in my own mind while I was asleep, which <laughs> which is kind of weird. That's, that's where actually all the hype comes from. Yeah, in your mind, and that's what we're that's what we're here to talk about is hype. Da da da. Um, Segway. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to do is ask you guys, you know, is there a game that you've played recently that was just a big disappointment because you expected more from it? You know, it wasn't that recent, but um, it doesn't have to be recent. And, and this is also just my fault for. For not for being an idiot, um, I played Tour Rock back when that came out again for the 360. I don't know what I was thinking. I I remember loving it on the 64. Remember, and you could do the code where like all the Raptors dance. It was just like a really great game back then. So I just made the poor assumption that it was going to be fantastic again, and it was terrible. I didn't I didn't get past like the second level. It was so awful. <laughs> that game would have been awesome if. Every- level started you off with the cerebral boar. Do you remember that weapon? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. I referenced that weapon on a regular basis. Yeah, if just every every level gave you that, that game would have been like ten times oh, better. Absolutely. Yeah. It tried, they tried to make it like kind of like a stealth thing, and then like the dinosaurs were ambiguous as to whose side they were on, so you could use them for your own purposes and that sort. Of, but it it really didn't work out. It was just bad. Yeah, kind of like me asking you about a game that disappointed you and hoping you, that it would be because there was a lot of hype for it, but instead you just totally broke what I was trying <laughs> to get you to do. Well, I just a lot of hype for it at the time. Yeah, actually, when when the, when they announced it, they were talking about how it's going to be this giant jungle environment like Far Cry, and you can like get the dinosaurs to do like get them to sick the enemies or to do certain things for you and like track them through the jungle. And when it came out, it was just basically linear levels with jungle foliage around you and it was like well what happened to everything that happened there so really wow i must have just had a really good bullshit meter at that time because i did not expect that game to be good at all no i didn't either but uh, that's what they were saying they're like like, far cry far cry just kept yelling that name out well there we go how about you matt is there anything Um, you could think of yeah like uh halo 3 odst Mm mm-hmm um, and actually, it sort of ties in, like, when Dan was talking to us a little earlier about those all these new live-action shorts coming out, I wasn't really, like, that much into ODST. Um, all the her- coverage I heard about it was, oh, it's going to be an expansion pack, but you have to play as a, dro- a shock drop trooper, and that's really about it. But then that, that pre-release live-action short came out, and it was, like, really... It touted, like, the, I guess the emotional aspect of being a, a human. You're not Master Chief, you're not a cyborg. You're like a human being who has to fight these monstrous um, alien beings. Who and it's I mean that kind of feeling of being a trainee and trying to take them on. So I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get this game now. And you know maybe it'll give me that experience in the story because I kept how the story mode is gonna be like so better, like much better than the, the Halo one, two, and three. So I bought it and I was just very disappointed. I mean the music was great, the single player was okay, but it just wasn't. It was Halo three basically. Um, your character did not feel very much different from Master Chief. He had the mm-hmm. same same power, same you know, he can do mostly everything Master Chief did. So I was just kind of a letdown. And the fact that it was not, I mean, I c- kind of hate to say this, but it wasn't priced like an expansion pack. Mm-hmm. It was a full blown oh, game. Not. Yeah, full blown game, and it didn't feel like a full blown game. So yeah, I was just pretty disappointed. I mean, I, I was duped by the hype, but I I still wanted to play it. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of anything really in particular for whatever reason maybe because I, I try not to pay attention to hype but i know that it's happened where i've been all gassed on a game it comes out and i'm like damn this sucks well i mean <laughs> how about final fantasy 13? huh final fantasy 13 i mean it wasn't bad by any means but I mean, the amount of hype that that game got how many years was it to make like like five or six years yeah, yeah. that's five or six years of hype and then five or six years of us being really excited for it. That could also then, be a downfall, though, like being that long. Yeah. You're, you can't really be hyped about a game for so long, and then you're like, well, when's it coming out now? Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, it's happened to Mercenaries 2. Like, everybody was all high on Mercenaries 2, and like, it was going to do all these awesome things, and it kept getting delayed and delayed, and everybody forgot about it, and then it came out, and everyone's like, what, the game's out now? So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So what I'm always thinking about when it comes to hype is um, the way it affects our play experiences that have nothing to do with the game itself. Like, when the hype is so extreme that even a good game 
fails to live up to what we expect because of all this expectation. I, I think there's a huge effect with that. I mean, my my example for that would be, and and it's sort of an inadvertent. You know, it's not it's not this game's fault necessarily, but Bioshock Two, I mm. feel like inadvertently because the first game had such clout and everyone loved it and whatever, and all on the story's nuts and everything. Um, Bioshock Two was like, oh well, of course they have to live up to that, but everyone was expecting it. You know, everyone was expecting for there to be a big twist or you know what have you, um, and and so. You know, they threw in some multiplayer to give it a little bit of variety and give you a new character so they didn't have to rehash that story. But I, I felt like going into it, it was just a losing fight as a zero-sum game uh, to begin with. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Same thing with Bioshock 2. Like, the entire time I was playing it, I was expecting to be shocked the entire yeah. time. Bioshocked? Was- <laughs> Bioshock, yeah! Um the entire time, I'm just wondering, like, when's, what's the twist? What's going to happen? You know, who are these people? Uh, so who's going to turn on me? And it, it sort of just it, it took away the experience a little bit from me. And I had to go play it again after I beat it just to to uh, go without, like, the expectation of a twist or some, like, huge revelation. Yeah. And I found myself to enjoy it a little bit, you know, a little bit more, actually. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard when you're conditioned like that way. It's pretty symptomatic of um, just sequels in general. Mm-hmm. It, whether or not the first game is good, but I mean, like we were talking about Final Fantasy thirteen, that's the thirteenth sequel in <laughs> a very storied series. I mean, I feel like this, if if you have a solid game leading up to it, I mean, obviously none of us have played Dead Space two yet, but um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of hype going on with that. It, the first trailer just came out and looks incredible, but I can only imagine that I'm going to be disappointed because I'm again, going to expect sort of that twist or I'm going to expect something that isn't there. Um, and that's, that has nothing to do with marketing. That has everything to do with just the fact that it's a sequel. Yeah, it's it's inherent hype. <laughs> but but hype is oftentimes the fault of, you know, marketing. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can call it fault because that's, that's really what they're trying to do is, you know, get people to buy the games and that's how companies survive. But, um... Is it a good thing to to have uh, all these people buy these games based on hype and and maybe not have the best product? I don't think it's it's good to have them buy it on hype, but I think hype is a necessity to get people um, interested or aware. Basically, I mean, some games just come and go without any sort of marketing or any sort of uh, I guess you could say hype in this case, and they're excellent games. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, some of these games I, I, I can name off, like let's say, like Shadow of the Colossus or Eco. I mean, would those games be great if they had hype, or would they be great because no one knew about them and we discovered them on our own? Right. Um, but sometimes I, I think like I want people to play these games, like uh, um, like Tatsunoko versus Capcom, for example. Like I want people to buy it so we can get more versus fighting games or more fighting games like that on the Wii and. But nobody really talked about it that much outside of like uh, gaming blogs and enthusiast press. So there was really no big hype for it until the game came out and we started seeing commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like I mean, hype can help, but like you said, it can also harm. So well, like like you said, uh, I mean, you can't fault uh, a company for wanting to hype their product. Obviously, they they need to do that. For me, it's more about 
how are they going to hype that? Is, is it going to be sort of a, a creative way of doing it? I've heard of some very creative ways. You know, they'll have different events. I think um, uh, Splinter Cell Conviction that just came out. They would have different events around in like Los Angeles and San Francisco where they would. Um, like some guy would show up dressed as Tom Clancy or not Tom Clancy rather uh, Sam Fisher, and he would you know run around for a while and then everyone would leave and be like yes this is for some reason I'm excited now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, right. is, are you doing creative stuff like that or are you just you know spamming websites with ads? Which I, mean, I guess that works too, but I, I appreciate it less. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, interesting way of hyping a game just happened. Uh, I got that mailing from Visceral with the right. ink blot and all the symbols. I thought that was cool. That that went out to just uh, gamers, not necessarily um, press only. Oh, is that right? So that was a cool way to do it. Yeah, generate have interest, you, put you inside you the world. Have you watched the trailer? Um, I haven't, but I see it's on GamerNode right now, thanks to you. <laughs> I will watch that. Should I watch it right now? Are we allowed to plug GamerNode in the middle of a GamerNode podcast? <laughs> it's so meta. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that really uh, does a great job of getting me, in particular anyway, interested in getting back into that game world because it's like I am in that game world sitting here in my very plain looking room in my on my very plain looking chair instead of Matt said a little while ago, something that I'm very interested in myself, is would a game be as good um, if it was hyped? Like, if, if a game that you have to discover, um, is it better because you don't know anything about it and you expect nothing from it? Does that automatically lower the bar and in turn make the game better when you actually play it because your experience playing it was... Uh, it was like a, a greater differential from your expectation. And is that really what our judgment is? Is our judgment of video games essentially a measure of the differential between our actual experience versus our projected experience? Wow, that's that's next level shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say it doesn't so much lower the bar. Mm-hmm. I would say it... Um, it gives you a blank slate to work with, hmm. uh, which I guess for, for some in some cases could be lowering the bar. Uh, I, I think what it does, though, if you do have expectations, a lot of times, you know, for example, like I'll I'll just read reviews, which reviews isn't really hype, mm-hmm. but it's it's a way of finding out about a game beforehand. If you read the review, then you automatically know about like, oh, but wait, there's a twist at the end. We're not going to tell you, but it's going to be great or um, you know, this is the main character, and this is, these are the gameplay elements, and this is what, what's good about it. And so nothing can surprise you. And I love being surprised by a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it has to be, I think it's better when it's a clean slate um, and come to a game without any expectations. Because when you think about it, like, let's say movies of old, no one, I mean, trailers were, trailers were not proliferate. And if they were, they were like, 
a couple of seconds long. Like uh, one trailer that comes to mind is the, um, the stand, Stanley Kubrick's the stand. All it was was an elevator, a shot of an elevator, and then it opens and all this blood comes rushing out. And then it says the stand. You don't, mm-hmm. know, you don't know what that's about, so you go see it, <laughs> and you're 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 amazed. Same thing happened with me in let's say Bioshock. When I first played Bioshock, I had no idea what this was. I knew it was some, from the same guy who made or helped on System Shock 2, which is a game I liked. So I was like, well, let me try this out. I don't really know that much about him or um, this game. And I played the demo, and I was blown away. And that, the demo came out, like, about a month before the game came out. So there was no time to, like, really inspect your hype, you know, like, like look at mm-hmm. it. So I, I just went and bought it, and I was amazed by it. And I loved every minute. I didn't know the twist. I didn't know what it was really about. I didn't know what Rapture was. And that was all an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, I had pretty much the same experience with that game. I was like, oh, let's let's try out Bioshock, mm-hmm. and I was like, damn, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But what? Uh, another th- question that I had was, um, what about negative uh, preconception? Like when when you're made to believe that a game is going to be bad, and then maybe it isn't so bad. If you think that a game's going to be bad. Does it become less bad when you actually play it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can get. I don't have any examples that come to mind, but like, let's say you're expecting a game to be really like terrible, and then you pick it up and you play, it and you're like, "Wow, this isn't. This is actually isn't that bad." And you want to keep going. And I mean, the game can be mediocre, but you, you want to keep going because it surprised you. Mm-hmm. You're just like, I, I need to figure out why this game is surprising me. Why is it not bad? My, every instinct in my body is telling me that's bad. So, yeah. I uh, I think my initial response was going to be, no, that if if you think a game is bad, that doesn't <laughs> really necessarily have a bearing on how bad it is. But then again, I, I was unable to think of any examples because every game that I've thought has been bad has been bad in my experience. Uh-huh. So maybe I'm just tricking myself into thinking that. I think it, I think it works the other way, though. Like, uh, I, I was telling you all earlier, I, I recently played um, Arkham Asylum because mm-hmm. I don't have any money and I buy games when they get super cheap. <laughs> I bought it for cheap and played it. And I went into it knowing that it won, like, the BAFTA game of the year and, you know, all this, all this different stuff. So everyone loved it and Rocksteady, you know, big name now. Um, and I think I liked it more because I went into it being like, wow, this is going to be so sweet. And I, and I didn't want it to suck in my mind. And I mean, realistically it didn't like, it was a really great game, but I feel like I liked it even more because I wanted it to be that awesome. If that makes any sense. Oh, that, that definitely makes sense. It's like you conditioned yourself to believe what you had, uh, preconceived about the game. That's something that I always think about. Like very often, especially since I review games, try not to really hear anything about their quality before I play them. It's because it's like a worry that I have that we can be conditioned to believe whatever we're told. Um, or even just through marketing, can familiarity make us like more comfortable or more receptive to a product just because we've seen it a lot. It's just um, putting it in our brain. Yeah, that almost calls into question what we do in general against game journalists. It's like we're ruining everyone's perspective on games just by talking about them. (laughs) You can also bring the fact that a game's, like, predecessor can color your experience of its sequel, and the sequel might be 
actually good. But when the predecessor was crap, the prequel was crap. Um, that can happen too. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of an example, but can't. But I mean, I've had that happen where like part two was amazing and I hated part one. Oh, mm-hmm. de- um, no. Okay. I was like, Devil May Cry two and three. Two was horrid and three was like actually one of my favorite games. Hmm. Um, I was expecting three to be really bad because I was like, well, they're going downhill now. They don't know how to do this anymore. And, th- um, I actually enjoyed three a lot. So I'm trying to think if that happened to me. When I mentioned the the possibility of a game's negative press coloring our perception of it after we've played it, I was um, thinking about an article that was actually just published today that I noticed because I follow the Brainy Gamer on Twitter. He wrote, I like Dante's Inferno. There, I said it. It's off my chest. Um, (laughs) But he said that this was what really got me was, we were supposed to hate this game and I was fully prepared for the task. Like, that's very interesting to me. Like, how often are we fully prepared to hate a game? Yeah, not often. Yeah, not often. But I mean, it's. I mean, I don't want to go off topic, but it's kind of weird for Dante's Inferno because, I mean, everyone hated it because it was a God of War ripoff. But how do you make a game, a character action game, I guess that genre is without being God of War? Because that's the game that popularized it and probably created that genre. So I mean, I think you wrote. Remember, you wrote the article. You know, genre moving on. Yeah. It's very much, I mean, I like Dante's Inferno as well. I didn't get to play the game. I played the demo, but I very much liked the demo I was playing. And uh, I, everyone just decided to hate, like, hate on it. And it's very interesting, like, yeah, how, how, how many times are we conditioned to just say this game's going to suck no matter what? Um, mm-hmm. it, it can't possibly be good, and everyone just gives it the blind eye. Oh, Left 4 Dead 2. I mean, there a lot of people were conditioned to hate that because of its release a year after. Yeah, however... Yeah. However, the game is great, but a lot of people were like, "No, this is this is bull. Why, you know, why do I have to play, pay for it a year later?" And you know, Valve always supports their games, so a lot of people were trying to boycott that and stuff. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it does happen, but not very often. Yeah, it's really it's interesting how hype in all of its forms sort of does a variety of different things to us. It's almost hard to believe that we can have a genuine experience with with games without blacking everything out. You know, cuz you never know if it if you're being conditioned to play into the hype or if the hype is having a sort of reverse effect on you. Yeah. Um the other thing I wanted to ask about was we were talking about Capcom and how they they like foster fan participation with all their titles. They have this really robust community element to everything, just about everything they do. Um, do you think that by forming such a connected relationship with the fans that automatically sort of manipulates the gamer's psyche to enjoy those products better? Like it's a different sort of hype for the game? Oh, I very much think so. I mean, I think it's it's sort of um, instead of keeping the gamer or player at arm's length and saying like, "Here, I have this game. Let me, you know, let me show it to you. This game is gonna be awesome." Capcom instead, or other companies, say like, bring them in and say, "Hey, what do you want to see in this game?" Or, or hey, you know, give us your suggestions for what's coming out. I mean, what 
stuff like that, and then the 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 player or the gamer feels more involved, and they mm-hmm. want to get the game, and they feel like it's part, like they're part of it, and it's a different. Like, instead of being like told by a suit that the game's gonna be good, you're being told by a friend that the game's yeah. Gonna be good. It's like this is our game, like all of our game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're doing it right now uh, on their Capcom Unity blog. They're asking people for suggestions for the next uh, character for Street Fighter Four iPhone. Yes. I mean, but yeah, and by that, people are gonna be like, "Oh, I want to see Sagat or this that." And then let's say that person comes out, it's like, "Oh, I'm gonna download. I'm gonna pay ninety nine cents and get that." You know, there you go. You just you just built your sales right there by making people feel that they had a uh, an influence on what was gonna happen next for that game. Right, and that's I don't know is that a is that a better way to do it, <laughs> even if the game sucks in in the end? I mean, I mean, it, it can certainly never hurt. <laughs> like I I don't think it's going to change a good game into a great game. But I think it's the lesser of two evils. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it it's not like it's not like okay, everybody has to do it this way because then it's becoming like it can become like deceiving the the gamer, but or the customer. But I think at this time it's just. It's the lesser of two evils. It makes people feel it can go right and can go wrong. Same reason with like PR hype. It can go right and it can go wrong. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it it's about the feeling that the player has. Like if the game turns out not as great as they want it to, they're like, ah, oh, it's okay. You know, this is our yeah, game yeah. again. Back to back <laughs> to being part of it. You know, it makes them more forgiving. But in I a way, that's manipulation as well. They don't go yeah. far enough, though. I, I feel like Capcom should, like, send someone to your room to hang out with you. <laughs> like, send Blanca to come hang out in your living room. Or, um, how about uh, how about Chun-Li or Cammy? Yeah, yeah, I'd be fine with that, too. That'd be cool. Yeah, I don't want Blanca in my living room eating my food. Oh, dude, he'd be really, he'd be tight. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he'd be like, hey, I need something electrocuted. For some reason, yeah, and he'd get in a little ball and be like, "Blanca." <laughs> no, I would totally keep him away from anything electronic in my house. I've had too many bad experiences with electricity in my old, old house back up in New York with terrible old electrical work. Oh, that's a that's a nightmare. Oh. Can't you see the headline though? Like, Capcom character destroys entire block of it. That's <laughs> 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 fire to the whole thing. He's having to do his, his uh, barrel roll through houses <laughs> the entire block. Uh, oh, man. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, what games are you guys hyped for coming up? Oh, my goodness. May? The month of May? Yeah. <laughs> Just May. That's that's the game that you're hyped for? The game, yeah. I mean, it's it's... Pretty much every week, there's like two or three titles on like a Tuesday that are coming out or something. Yeah, Alan Wake, Red Dead Redemption, yeah. Super Mario Galaxy 2, I know I'm forgetting something. All those games come out within a week of each other, actually. Yeah, I know, it's terrible. Yeah. I'm actually hyped. I mean, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but Halo Reach, I mean, I was burned oh, after yeah. ODST. After watching all that stuff for Reach, I'm feeling like it's going to be like an actual really different game this time around. Oh and, man! I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm the guy with the Master Chief helmet right here, looking right at him. So. <laughs> You're doing yourself in again. I know. <laughs> what does Master but, Chief have to say to you? What does he speak? I, 
he, he says by reach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Halo, but I mean, I just like I said that's why I, I got ODST. But I mean, Reach just looks awesome, and then it has that new Headhunter mode. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm hyped for mostly is Halo Reach and Red Dead Redemption. I love old Western games, and I actually like Red Dead Revolver. So Redemption, you know, Rockstar actually giving it uh, the proper Rockstar treatment is excites me. So. Yeah, I'd say May is pretty intense. I'm personally looking forward to <laughs> Prince of Persia: The Forgotten Sands, which. Uh, is a series that I happened to get burned on the last time because I was all into the Sands of Time series, and I was I I hyped it myself to the sky, the new Prince of Persia, and what I had created in my mind was not the same as what was delivered. So I'm hoping again, and probably screwing myself when the time comes to play it, that it'll be more like the older games. Um, and I mean, I got to play it at PAX, and it does feel a little bit more like the older games, but still, I'm trying not to be all excited for it, even though I really am deep down in my, the cockles you're of my heart. You're going to psych yourself out by trying to not psych yourself out. <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> like a um, jilted lover running back to the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's no, but you're right, though. Like, I, I love the Prince of Persia series, too, but not, I don't like the combat. I love the traversing the environment part mm-hmm. um, and how it felt like in the very first game. It felt like a giant puzzle to me, sort of. But, like, it got progressively worse with the Warrior Within, and then it got better with Two Princes or Two Thrones, whatever it was called. But it wasn't that much better. I never... Actually, I had that not yet played the Xbox 360 Prince of Persia. I haven't played it yet. Mm. Um, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for it to go down to like $4 before <laughs> I pull the trigger. <laughs> Gate 3 and Lost Planet 2 is coming out. Yes. Oh, this in May? Yeah. And Super Mario Galaxy 2, did you say that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, up. that one, I don't know how not to have, like, it's just automatically top-level hype. For oh, Super oh. Mario Galaxy 2. And there's no way to change that. So it's either doomed or it's going to live up to it. I feel like the only Mario game that people have really gotten down on in the last... I don't 20 know, years. Five yeah. to 10 years. Yeah. Super Mario Sunshine. That, and I thought it was sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it was still, still a good game. Maybe not as good. Maybe not as revolutionary or anything. But even even so, I feel like... The hype is in some way justified, maybe, for the Mario, the like the big name Mario game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't like Sunshine that much, but I I I still own my original copy of Galaxy, and I still play it every once in a while. I just it, it, the game is such a beautiful game. Oh, yeah. I'm really wait. I'm really like want to get number like uh, Mario Galaxy two when that comes out. Speaking of Nintendo, 3D.Game Heroes is coming out on the 11th. <laughs> oh, man, really? Ah! Well, good thing that game's $40. Yeah. So. I'm definitely getting that. Like, there's no way I'm not getting that the second it's out. Alright, guys. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, I hope all this hype is lived up to. 
and I hope it doesn't affect us too badly, especially in my case with uh, Prince of Persia, because I really want to love it. Thanks for coming on, oh, as yeah. usual. And no if there's anything you want to, you know, plug or shout out, you have the floor, Dan. Oh no. Um, okay, I guess I have a Twitter. Yeah. Dan R. Crabtree. Um, I'll probably be posting something new on my column pretty soon, my personal column about um, atmosphere in games. I've been working on something for that. Um, I don't know. Stay, stay sweet. I <laughs> awesome. Oh my God, yeah. Stay sweet. Pour honey all over yourselves every day. It's the advice like from Dan. Like I know you do. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Prime. Um, my review of Super Street Fighter 4 is up, so please go read that. Um, love. I am. It's, I, as I was writing it, I realized I had not one bad thing to say about it. Mm. And it's just, it, it's a very, very good fighting game. It's probably one of the best fighting games I've played uh, recently, uh, quite honestly. It's, it's just so polished and and it works so well, and all the characters and everything. So I, I recommend if you haven't bought it yet, you know, go out and get it. Honestly, it's really good. Um, and I also my review of Monster Hunter Try should be up before the week is over, hopefully. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll have a review up too. I guess for Borderlands at Unpack eventually when I at GamerNode.com, which also has a Twitter, which is Twitter.com/GamerNode. Very creative. I have a Twitter as well. It's twitter.com slash Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, Inzato, I-N-Z-A-U-T-O, all strung together like that. Um, my shout-out today goes to Jason Rohrer and Sleep is Death and SidTube. Um, just a bunch of awesome stuff for the new game. Sleep is Death. Uh, this is the man who's responsible for making games like Passage, Gravitation, Between. It's probably a lesser known one. Um, and I think 11 others or something. Um, so there's that. So definitely check out Sleep is Death. You probably won't regret it if you're like me at all, which we've learned no one is, according to Dan. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, Other than that, we would really appreciate if uh, you like what we have to say to rate us on iTunes. Leave us uh, a little review if you have the time. Um, Come check out GamerNode.com. Always have new stuff going up. And uh, send us any criticisms, anything you want to hear us talk about, uh, just anything at um, versusnode.gamernode.com. And that's about it. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Guess we'll talk later. Sounds great. Peace. Bye. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't Always get what you want But if you try sometimes Well, you might find
stone, we're gonna blow a fifth to amp fuse. Sing it to me. Just fine, fine. You get what I'm